It should be noted that this episode contains some disturbing content and might not be appropriate for some listeners. Last week, I was talking to Diane Gibbs, who I met during a difficult point when I asked a sincere question on social media and ended up being on the receiving end of a lot of negativity. We had a great conversation, which you can download if you haven't already listened to it. But this week, I want to talk about business. Diane runs a podcast called The Design Recharge Show, and I wanted to know more about it and where it's going. I'm always fascinated when I speak to teachers because everybody has different motivations and I don't want to presume to know yours. What do you get out of teaching? So I really feel called to teaching. So when I was in college, I had a rough sophomore year and numerous, number, numerous reasons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, family things, there were just, I think you grow a lot in college. And for me, that was I just really felt called like I wanted to be there for somebody else that needed me at that same point in their life because it is such like a it's like when fertilizer you put fertilizer on and you're you're just in a hyper zone and I, I think when you're around other creatives it happens I, th- I don't think it has to be at a university but it was at a university for me and so I, one of my teachers, I think he kind of saved my life with design. Um, He just didn't, he was, I was trying to explain what was going on. And he said, Diane, just get your work done. Just get, you know, like take the step, get your work done. And that was really all I needed. Like just somebody to kind of break it down for me and say, hey, just focus on this. And that really, um, it, made a huge difference. I mean, I would love to find that professor because he's not at Auburn anymore. And, but he just, him being kind of tough love really made a huge impact that then I wanted to go back and teach. I mean, I love design, but I'm definitely not there just to teach about typography or about, you know, layout or anything like that. That's not, the call is the other, the other part, the life stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. when you're in school. So it sounds to me like you were really inspired and you, you use very specific language like he saved your life and gave you a life, I suppose. And you and I had talked about this before, but I was, um, uh, college was really good, but it was also, I was, uh, it was in a very deep depression. Um, I had suffered from depression and anxiety and I was a, cutter so like I would rub my hands till they were raw on the carpet or doesn't sound very attractive I know but um but that was just what I did not a healthy way of dealing with anxiety or depression but I didn't really have a a clear method so I actually started going to therapy when I was in college and it really was a big help um and a lot of it was just not understanding other people and mainly I guess you know my family or things that my family wanted um, I, I grew up in the South. I never really felt like I fit in. I was a little too loud for a good Southern girl, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was just, 
it's just coming. It's like you're coming of age. I actually feel like you do this in your 30s. I feel like you do this in your 40s. Um, so I don't think it ever really ends. It just gets easier every time. But in your 20s, it's so big because it's the first time. And I don't know. That's why I feel like you, some of the relationships that you make in your 20s are some of your longest in, in life just because you're you're figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. Does that well, make sense? Yeah, it does. So getting, getting back to the teaching part, so somebody touches your life and is that something that you feel like you want to be able to do the same for others? Absolutely. So I didn't necessarily do what my teacher did um, <laughs> and like suck it up, but I definitely, um, I definitely have in class, I definitely am like that. But if somebody needed me to role play with them on how to quit their job, I do that. If they need me to to talk to me about something that's going on with their roommate or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, I'm totally there for them. I'm the, I feel like these are my kids. The, I didn't have, don't have any kids uh, physically. So I think that God blessed me with a ton of kids, hundreds of them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really thankful. I met with uh, one of my alumni yesterday. She's actually teaching at another university and um, she's our AIGA president. And I was like, you know, I just always want to know you're doing okay. And I always look out for her and I'm like, Hey, are you doing this? You know, she works a lot. And so I'm just making sure she's healthy. And um, I said, you know, you're because sometimes, you know, she's she's been teaching for a while now. And I said, but you're still mine. You know, you're still one of mine. And she's like, I know my kids. Those are your grandkids. So I always feel like um, it's funny, but it's that's the legacy I leave. You know, some people leave a legacy of um, physical children. And I think some people just weren't meant to have them and I'm one of them Mm -hmm. and so um so instead I have all these people that are I'd never had to change diapers you know things like that but there's so many things that they need me for and some people it's just they need me for at this time in their life and then some people they we continue that relationship and I have a good relationship with a lot of with a lot of our alumni Wow, so let me just get this straight. So one of your former students is now the AIGA president, the local chapter? Yes. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, if I were you, I was like, I was sitting there listening to you say this, and I was thinking, oh, that's so nice to have grandchildren. But then I was (laughs) thinking, I'm not that old. I don't want to have grandchildren. How dare you say that? Oh, well, but I think, um, I guess it's just that you're, I don't know, the impact. Like, she wanted to be a teacher to make an impact. And it's, you're not, I mean, I love design, absolutely love design, but I love people more. And I just think that this is the conduit of what I, what I do. And same way with my podcast, I feel like, so I always picture like a lamp. Okay. And then there's the, the cord and then there's the plug into the wall. And, you know, maybe the world is the plug in the wall, right? It's the electricity that we get. And then I'm, there's somebody that I need to, the world to know better. And so I'm just the cord that connects that person to the rest of the, the internet. And so it, I just feel like a conduit on many, uh, many levels. It's funny because my dad worked for the power company my whole life. So it's just a, maybe I just always have a whole bunch of power <laughs> analogies, but, um, but I, but that's what it is. So 
I I feel like I've listened to your podcast and I think that you're a great listener. You have a great questions. Um, and I think that there's a, a real uh, superpower in that. And I think you do that with your clients. Um, and it allows you to be able to solve their needs. It's the same way with teaching. You teach as well. So it's the same, same thing. You got to really hear what your students are really asking because sometimes they're not asking using the exact words. Right. You know? Well, I just think there's just so much in common. It's like you're a sister from another mother kind of situation here. Yeah, my friend Kim, she says it's a sister from another mister. <laughs> I like that. I've not I know, heard I that, that before. Was good. Sister from another mister. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I have a quick business question to ask you. Okay. Can you sustain a certain lifestyle by teaching full time? I will be really upfront with you. So I would teach at a public university. If you wanted to find out what I what I make, you could. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually find out on any public institution's website um, what anybody makes. So I make $56,000 a year, which in Mobile, Alabama is okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I make about $30,000 extra with um, my business mm -hmm. every year. And this year... Probably do a little bit better than that because um, I'm doing a more regular uh, retainer client. And anyway, so it just so I get I will get full if I get full professor, you go up. So I came in as an instructor and I think I came in at like thirty eight thousand in two thousand three. So I was making in Denver forty thousand or forty two thousand you know, in 2000 and I'm like cheapers, you know, I'm going back in time here, people. But I mean, we have four acres Our we have two houses on that. I mean, one doesn't have electricity, but, um, so it's just kind of a shell, but it's this great house and it has this great wood floors. I mean, it needs to be fixed, but, um, that, so the whole property was $140,000. So, it kind of gives you an idea about right. cost of living, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so then if I get, so I started out as an instructor, then you get a thousand dollar raise when you get assistant professor, then assistant professor to um, associate professor is $4,000 and then associate to full professor is $6,000. So the most I will make is $62,000 here at this mm. university so it's not very much money no I, I mean, it's not and yeah. is any of this dependent on how many classes you teach no so i'm tenured so i actually um if i was just a regular uh tenured professor or not or tenure track professor i would teach five classes a year so three one semester two and another mm -hmm. um which is actually really good my uh, friend Megan, the AIGA president, she teaches five classes each semester, which is really crazy. Um, and but you know, she she does it, and she gets paid extra. Her school is a private school, so it's on a four four load. Um, so it's just, I mean, there's committee work. So you're in class. I I'm the graduate coordinator. We have a MFA in creative technologies and practice. Which I can explain that to you later if you want to know. But um, 
pretty much I teach two classes in the fall and two classes in the spring. I, I could teach in the summer, but a lot of times our students, these are first generation college students. So a lot uh, if they can't get their financial aid to pay for a summer class, they pretty much aren't signing up for a summer class. So our structure of how we've done our degree, they don't need to go in the summer. So I usually take the summer off. So it's it's better, I think, for them and for me to have the summer off. So I just work. Right. Well, uh, just really quickly for people who don't understand, what does it mean to be tenured? Okay, so um, you come in. Um, if you are tenured track, that means that you uh, can't get fired, I guess. But what that really means is you have um, you kind of have freedom of speech in your classrooms or in your committees or you you're not always afraid that somebody's going to fire you for teaching something so say somebody was teaching something controversial they were doing um social change design for social social change um that was one of their classes and they wanted to go and do something really weird that would could be seen in a negative way i guess or Maybe it's not, that would be a great thing. I think usually I can't really think of a great design one um, example, but say, you know, it was, it was a history professor and I was teaching about a, um, something that was controversial in history. Um, So then I can't get fired. I can still teach it. I can still have my opinions. I can make the students do certain things, um, obviously within reason, but, you know, let them learn about things without worry uh, of getting fired. You usually go through a tenure process and you have to apply. You have to, you have to meet certain criteria. Every school is a little different. So it means that for us as a designer, we're having to win a certain number of awards or some people it's writing books or um, publishing papers or um, writing articles or, or speaking at conferences or things like that. Everything's judged in a different level with every school. Mm-hmm. So essentially just, it means you have job security? Yes, sorry. That's great. And well, I, I guess in, in context things, I mean, I'm going to go on a slight rant here in that mm-hmm. I, I think teachers are should be the most valued members in society because you're shaping a lot of minds. And sadly, the, the amount of money or the value that society puts on teachers is relatively low. Mm-hmm. Unless you go and teach at one of these really privileged private schools where I think they do make quite a bit of money, but not relative to what they could do if they're out in the real world. And I'm hoping that that's going to change in my lifetime. Uh, But, you know, I'm not holding my breath for that one, right? Well, usually public schools actually make higher than private schools. um, depending on It is. So public schools, we get funding from the state. So it's a, as a as an art professor, you know, it's probably better to be at a public school. Um, I don't know about Yale or, you know, Stanford or something like that, maybe. But um, but any, like, um, my sister went to Duke in North Carolina. And, you know, I would think that it, it's a prestigious university. But unless, so, like, people who are doing work there, they're either getting grants in to help suspend uh, sustain their salary or something, but you're going to get paid less at a private institution usually. So, but I agree. Yes. People, teachers have a really big role, really Mm -hmm. big job. Um, and they don't get compensated 
Well, that's something I'm hoping to change in creating the future that we have a platform where, where instructors, teachers, people who want to share their knowledge with the world can profit from their ideas way beyond standing in front of a group of students and lecturing and teaching a course and only making money while they do it. Right. So let's see what happens there because one of our bigger missions is to actually disrupt education. And if we can create a business model that's equitable for everybody, for students, teachers, and the organization itself, then I think it's it's a win for everyone. It is. I think higher education is really going to change probably in the next 10 years. I don't think it's going to be the same. I don't think that um, I really think that, you know, if you have a lot of drive, you can learn what we're teaching mm -hmm. without having to go to school. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, I've had a lot of people on my podcast that don't have a design degree, don't have never studied, but they have read all these textbooks that I've assigned to my students and my students still don't read them. So there's something and they're putting in practice and they're, the sweat equity is there, but the drive is really, mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't think you have to have a traditional education, but I do obviously believe in a traditional education because I think there are some things that unless you're teaching in a classroom, which I know you, you guys do, mm -hmm. um, there's something that can be missing. So there, there's a huge bond. I always call every class. So they have to get accepted into our program and then they go forward from there. And so then they're a family. And I say that they're a family. They're supposed to work together and they don't all miss necessarily always like each other, um, but they have to listen to each other. And, and it's just like a team, but they're not necessarily working on the same project. Um, but it really bonds them. Like they are, mm. they're really bonded together. And just having critique, I think, is really important and being able to talk about your work and take criticism and make changes and show people that you come on time. Those things um, are, I don't know, really hard to replicate on a completely online class. Right. And our accountability can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, I'm obviously very passionate as are you about education and, and, and just, I'm speaking very selfishly right now in that I wanna know from your point of view what can't be replicated online so that I can be thinking about, well, let me see if I can solve that problem. So you mentioned a couple of things already, the bond, the, ex the shared experience and how people are still friends with their classmates many years into the future. The critique, getting direct response to the work that you're doing and being held accountable. Anything else? I also just think, um, you know, I tell my students every day they're coming in, they're they're on an interview, but it's not with me. It's with all the other people that are in the classroom because I'm not going to be the one getting them a job. Um, the other people in this classroom are going to be the ones that are going to have a job opening and be like, oh, yeah, Judy, you know, she was awesome at illustrating like this or, man, she was fast at coding or she was could really, you know, do blah, blah, super well. So then when they have an opening that they're place no matter where it is maybe it's for a freelance maybe it's a remote worker maybe it's just you know something they need another full-time position then they're calling judy you know and if judy doesn't know anybody then i bet judy's gonna say hey i mean i think the the power of our industry network um i really believe it we need to be positive with each other i think we need to be honest but i think we need to have a positive i don't think we need to tear each other down um 
which we can get into later, I right. hope. Um, but that that's something I think that I've had. Um, I I have placed some kids with some people. Um, I have a friend. I don't know if you know who Dustin Lee is of Retro Supply. I do not. I need to connect you with him because he's done amazing things. He started out, he had a, a kid on the way and mm-hmm. he was doing a startup with a friend that wasn't working out. He was just going deeper and deeper in debt. And he um, started, he was like, I'm going to make something and I'm going to sell, uh, you know, illustrator brushes or, or logos or whatever he started with. I can't remember on creative market when creative market first came out. And he he really thought that his mom was just buying this stuff just to help him out because they had a, <laughs> a baby on the way. Like, he has a great story, Chris. Mm. Um, anyway, so, but his mom wasn't. So one day he was he would get up at like 4.30 and go to Starbucks um, right down the street from, and he would work for two hours or an hour and a half until he went to his, his other job. And, and his phone was just going off. And like, ding, 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 ding. You know, when you're making a sale right, on right. Um, your PayPal goes off or whatever. Well, he was, he had walked to the Starbucks. So he ran home so he could let his wife listen to the <laughs> dings going off. He's like, that's $9 every time. That's $9. You know, mm-hmm. and really he thought that it was just, um, just going to be for diaper money. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he ended up, um, so in 2014, he made $237,000 just selling on Creative Market and then mm-hmm. his own mm-hmm. site. And then he's done better ever since. And he's hired two of my grads. So, And they work remotely for him. So they work here in Mobile. And I just think stuff like that's really cool. And mm-hmm. I love that um, he can hire my kids. And then my kids get a great opportunity, but then he's able to scale his business. Right. So. Which clearly you know how to do, but I just think it's nice. He, he has a program where he teaches about um, passive income for designers and stuff I like love that. It. So, I'm yeah. definitely going to have to connect with him after this, but I want to talk about you. I want to talk about school. I want to talk about how we actually started talking in the first place. But so let me just wrap up the whole education part. This is like fascinating stuff. This is like catnip for me, okay? Okay. So you, when you talk about the bond, I'm kind of thinking about my my Facebook community. There's like almost 200 people in there and they meet up and they share and a lot of them are strangers, but there's this thing that connects all of us. And so like sometimes I'm the guy who's like the spoke or the center part of the wheel mm-hmm. where everybody can gather around. So if I'm in town, people come and we, we meet up and it's a way for them to connect, to help each other, to hire each other. So the idea of the network mm-hmm. is real and, and job opportunities. And I think we can fulfill some of that stuff. Let's talk a little bit about accountability. So those people who want to be self-taught, in mm-hmm. air quote, self-taught, you have to be driven, focused, motivated, and you have to have a degree of maturity to be able to do this because the person who wants to sit around and play video games all day and wake up at noon and stay up till three in the morning that's not really the ideal candidate for self-taught and i think in many ways colleges universities are set up to help you grow up Mm -hmm. and to kind of figure your way out and you need structure and all that kind of stuff 
And so there's, I don't, I don't think that's going to ever be a person who's going to be an ideal candidate for being a self-taught person who can pick right. up a book, go to the library, watch a video online and do their own homework without real feedback. The biggest thing, the, cha uh, the challenge is really about the critique, the one-on-one -on -one quality of the classroom. That's mm -hmm. going to be a problem we're going to have to sit there and think about. How can we do this at scale? Because that's the real challenge, right? Because you can assign tutors to critique each person's work. But then we're kind of moving back into the traditional education mm -hmm. model. So it's something I got to figure out. Because Michael Johnson, that's what he does. MoGraph Mentor, that's mm -hmm. exactly what they do. Very limited class sizes. You have a professor or instructor who's going to look at your work and give you feedback online. So it's as close as the classroom experiences you can get. But those are very good points for me just to think about. Now, a person like yourself, you, you make $56,000 as a tenured instructor, student professor. professor. I'm a, professor? Well, no, I'm an associate professor. You're so. associate professor. So when you get your full professorship, then you'll make even more money. But the nice thing is you don't have to work during your summer. So that's kind of cool. So you get a three-month break there, right? Right. That's really cool. And then on the side, you have a side hustle game. So I have to imagine somebody making a total of $86,000 or so living where you live. That's a good chunk of money, isn't it? It is. That's really nice. Yeah, and absolutely. And I mean, I have you, I mean, I don't have to work till three in the morning, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so there's, and I can kind of choose my clients. So that's right. the, the benefit of being a professor is that I can be a little bit more choosy on the projects that I take. If you're listening on iTunes, please write us a review. We'll be forever grateful. I definitely want to dive into design recharge. You, you talked about it. Who is your audience? And tell me more about what you're trying to do with design recharge. So that's probably where I need some help, Chris. Yes. Now, now it's like I'm getting my notepad out. It's like let's uh, <laughs> the doctor is in and let's talk. How big is your audience? Who is it for? And so I have, um, I have about a little over 600 people that are on my mailing list. Okay. And I have been at it for five years. I have never reached out to anybody to, which I feel like that's in my gut. That's my next step. Like I know my friends, um, um, Bob Ewing and Drew Hill do this thing inch by inch and they give money to art programs. I, I think maybe it's just in Illinois or Ohio. I can't remember where they're from. But they, you know, they have you order and you get these buttons. And I think that's just great. Like they've made this thing and they reached out to how and they reached out to other things. And I'm like, oh, I never did that. And I'm like, hmm, maybe is it too late? And then I think my friend, um, Scotty Russell, who I should also connect you with, talk about a great um, inspirational speaker. You know, he, I just was seeing what his work was. And I feel like, so a lot of audience wise, here's my audience. I think when I pull them, I have a lot of people who are a part of a small design team and they're working for, some people are working for a university, but not as a teacher. Some, I have a few teachers, I have a few students, but mostly it's people who are working in an um, 
a, a firm, a small firm and there, they are the marketing department, this one person or two people or three people and, or they're freelancers and they're working from home. So they don't really get, um, connected with a lot of people. So the people that I bring on, we usually talk about how they've gotten their business to grow. We talk about how they're making pitches, what they're doing, how their process is. We talk about, um, you know, kind of, I've had people that are super well-known like Draplin to people who maybe this was the first time they'd gotten were on anything. Um, and then I've had, you know, there's this girl who I just love. She's a crafter because I think there is a lot of overlap. There can be. And I don't really feel like we should divide. I feel like that's like the same thing as saying men and women. If we're like, oh, well, she's a crafter or she's mm-hmm. not an artist. You know, she's not a designer. But um, and so so I've kind of had a range. I've had writers. I've had, um, you know, authors, whatever. Same thing as a writer. I know. I'm just showing you my thesaurus in my head. <laughs> Um, but like, uh, my friend Scotty, so I'd been seeing him and he'd reached out to me and, um, he wasn't like, Hey, put me on your show or anything. He just was, we, he just was reaching out saying hi. And I had liked some of his stuff. And then I I always do like a pre-test. I don't know if you do something like this, kind of like what we, me and you did last week, I guess, um, where I just talk to him and see, and sometimes it's just a great fit. And then sometimes it's not. And I just had a great conversation, but I don't think it's, um, it's great for my audience. Right. And I remember Scotty, I was like, man, you got a great story. You got to tell that story. Um, and cause he really, there's some things as a teacher I see, and then there's some things just as a designer that I see. And I see a lot of times people just don't believe in themselves. And I think that happens when you're alienated. You know, you're like, maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Like kind of where you were last week, to be honest with, like, what what was I thinking? Is this, should I be talking at this conference? And I think I just kind of acted as a, a conduit, right? To be like, look, I hear you. You have this. You have this message. Don't you know, get the cord and cut, cut, don't cut this cord right now because I think you've got something. Um, so with Scotty, it was the same sort of thing. I just gave him an opportunity. One of my other friends, Mike Jones, um, watched the episode who does creative South. And then he had him at creative South and that, um, is the same year. Draplin was there. Draplin's been there a couple of times, but, um, Draplin and Scotty were the only two people that got standing ovations. And Scotty was at eight o'clock in the morning or mm. nine or something. But, you know, he's that, he used, um, have you ever heard of Nancy Duarte? Of course, yes. Okay, just making sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I He had not. And so I introduced him to her TED Talk and then to her books. And he's really just like taken off. And he, um, I just think people are, so much worse to themselves in their heads than they are than other people are to you know like granted you got a big taste of some yucky people last week but I think you kind of started doubting yourself in your head you know you it was like you there was a part that that you were doubting and man I think sometimes we just gotta be there and and fan the flames like no no buddy 
get the blanket off, you know, that we got to use that blanket to fan it, not uh, cover it up. Mm. And, um, so I guess that's kind of what I do with my guests. I mm-hmm. Sometimes I have people who definitely don't need it. Their fans or their flames fanned. But, you know, I think uh, I remember having Draplin and I, I was like, man, you're really um, diverse. Like if you read through his book, like, I mean, he he wrote a lot in that book. He did. And I remember like, man, you have a ton of different styles. Like the style that he's known for might not be the style that is in that book. So people need to check it out. And I, he was on another podcast with some friends of mine. And um, he said, he's like, if somebody comes to me for a wedding invitation, I'm not going to just manhandle them or Aaron drapplin it up so it's about me and not them he's still gonna do what's right for the client and he kind of said that on your um on your facebook live the other day mm-hmm. and i just think that's the that's the heart of a good designer mm. i still don't think i answered your question see i have an issue with talking about my podcast i guess <laughs> well you know what you do have a gift of trying to help people find out kind of like rebalance their mind and, and kind of see what's good in other people you do have a gift for that but i guess when i and when i ask you the question to talk about yourself you automatically divert back to talking about other people you're kind of like that too <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to do with ourselves now now that all we do is talk about other people and we can't figure out what to do with ourselves my, my just, thought is this go ahead uh, yeah tell me no yeah. no no i want you to i don't want to cut you off go ahead I was just saying, I really don't know. I, I think um, I had a test when I was in therapy. My parents wanted me to see this therapist in Atlanta. And I was like, I want to see one in Auburn. Because they thought I could be healed in the summer. Mm-hmm. And hello, it's a lifetime. So um, I I remember saying, if I can get him talking about himself for an hour, I win. You know? And so I was like, oh. My parents were like, well, how did it go? How did it go? I'm like... It's not going to work with this man. Mm. And they said, well, what you talk about? I said, I just asked him a lot of questions about him. I said, we didn't talk about me. And I was like, that should be their job as a therapist to like break through that, you know? Anyway, so mm. I feel like. So you're playing a, some kind of game with your therapist, huh? Right. He, I, My parents wanted him to be my therapist, but I wanted a therapist where I lived, you know? So. I drove right. to Auburn one summer. But let me ask you this question. Do you think sometimes, I'm, I'm just talking about you and not who you represent or me or anything. I'm just going to ask mm-hmm. you this question. Do you think sometimes you deflect talking about yourself because you're still not comfortable doing that? Yeah, I think um, I think growing up, I think maybe this goes back to the Southern kid, you're a girl, Southern girl maybe. Um, you're supposed to be quiet and it's not about you. And I remember there were some, I just never wanted to be that person that was always about me and, you know, very self-involved. So I just kind of, I, I was better when I was talking about talking to other people about them or, um, but I think honestly, Chris, I think I've a uh, been avoiding it because I haven't I think sometimes I hate 
having a cell phone because it's constant. I can listen to a book. I can listen to a podcast. I can constantly be engaging my brain and learning, which I always think is good. But when when do I take time to be quiet and really think and feel for me and what I'm thinking and feeling? Because you work a lot. I do. Right? You told me I last. Do. So do you take time for just being quiet? I, I do, and I do it in different ways. But well, teach I'm me. not I'm not gonna answer that question just yet. I'm gonna <laughs> write this down because you're already turning the question back onto me. Because I I'm just being honest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I think that that's a that's for me. Um, I used to get in and I would go to a movie or I had something, and then I'd just write for hours after the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I went to Creative South, I wrote for hours. Like I after the last night, it was one of those. And I was alone. I was just I came alone to that conference, but I never once felt alone. Mm-hmm. And I was in my room and I was just like writing, 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 writing. I had so much time and I was just allowed myself. But I feel like I have, I feel, so Brene talks about in another book that being busy is her addiction. And I feel like that's me, but I don't really know how. My friend Scott Beersack and I were talking this week. Uh, he's a lettering designer, amazing. Uh, he does a lot of branding, illustration. Um, and he's 24, so he's young, but man, he's so wise. And he was saying that he started meditating. He also was like an 18 hour a day worker, you know, like he would just work, 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 work. And he had to kind of go through, uh, he went through something and he's like, okay, I'm meditating now and I'm doing yoga. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I remember freaking out this past year. Um, I had something terrible that went through. I was the chair of the department and a lady was kind of, not kind of, she was accusing us of being discriminatory against age and gender. And um, so I've this whole inequality thing hits home because I did not discriminate against her because she was older than me or because she was a woman. Um I, I don't care about that. I think in, I don't care as I think kids can get discriminated against, right? Like my friend Scott, who's 24. Some people might think, oh, he can't do it. He's only 24. I'm like, no, right. he's done a ton of work. Like he is amazing. Um, and he has a ton of wisdom. I don't care that I'm 20 years older than him. Like that I still learn from him. And I was like, Scott, how do you do that? Because honestly, there was a time last year where I tried to you to do yoga and I just had a anxiety attack just sitting there I'm like I cannot not do this I can't I can't do nothing for this amount of time and I think that tells me some things but I haven't solved that problem Mm. but that's where I am okay do you know your numbers for your podcast um like the amount of downloads or oh lord no I mean I so here's the thing so I've Mm -hmm. only been on iTunes for like a year and a half Mm-hmm. because I I was always doing it live. And so it was on that platform, the Spreecast, then Spreecast went under. They gave me all my episodes, but I haven't uploaded them all yet because it just takes time. But that's, I, I, I know what you'll tell me, I think, just from listening to you a little bit. And I think I know what you would tell me to do, um, which is hire somebody to get that stuff up. up. Um, 
And then perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> um, perhaps. So I have, I could look back. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a, like, I don't care so much. I mean, I care, but I don't care. I also feel like, hey, those people that I'm reaching, it's those people that I'm reaching. And Okay. So this is where I'm going to step in here. Okay. And I think there's this expression, I forget who, who coined this, but what gets measured gets improved. Mm. If you measure your weight, guess what? You start losing weight. And that's why these um, smart watches that measure your calorie burn every day become a game and everybody starts to get healthier. Mm. And it's a phenomenon. So if you study something, you just get better at it. So if you look at your numbers, which I, I look at my numbers like a hawk. <laughs> I do. And it used to drive my former partner, Jose, crazy. And it was like, okay, the episode did this in this amount of time. I got that many comments. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking at it because, like you were saying before, back when you were waiting tables as a server, mm. you kind of looked for the half-filled cup and you can see that this person was drinking a lot. So you gave them two cups. So you were looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you want to build a community that could sustain you so that you don't have to work for clients or do anything... Mm -hmm. I think you have to really put your attention and energy and effort into growing your podcast. I'm not saying like I'm some big podcaster. I am not. I know what you mean though. You got to just look at your numbers and you got to see like, okay, well, I thought this guest did really well, but actually it was this conversation and I just went on a rant for an hour and that's the one that everybody wants from me. And I think it's like this. Uh, I got this. I had this idea in my head that a lot of people already know what we like about that person, but we, we can't see it for ourselves. Hmm. And that's where this kind of external validation thing, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but people already know what they want from you and it's, they want different things. Mm -hmm. And so if you're uh, an actor or an actress and you always play that one archetype and then you try and switch and play the opposite against type, Nobody goes to see that movie. Right. They're already telling you. We want you to be that nerdy computer programmer and that's all we want from you. And we love that and give us that all day and night. And we'll come and we'll wait in lines. We'll, we'll have you sign our books and, and our posters. But then you do that other thing. It's like they don't want that from you. So just pay attention to that. And I'm a really big believer in this and that classical design where the crafting and the making of things that period is kind of coming to an end in terms of mm. it being a viable way to earn a living. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is look on Instagram right now. I was looking for some lettering examples and there's an endless supply of people who do it really, really well. And I was thinking, can there be that many people from all over the world that can do this well? And apparently the answer is yes. <laughs> so right. the way that we kind of look into the future and say, well, there's amazing platforms that cost little to nothing to publish on. If you build a community and your community is strong they'll take care of you you take care of them right they'll reciprocate so when you go to speak at an event and you can marshal those people and they're really engaged with what you're doing they'll show up or if you make a little book of ideas or interviews or whatever they'll buy it because they want to see you succeed and they they don't want it to stop so i think I you're you're so good at doing what you do I think the next step is just to get into the geeky stuff and kind of look at it and say, okay, ah, I see. There's a pattern here. 
And it's a game we play all the time with our YouTube content, especially. We think, well, as the audience grows bigger, the next video we release, release should hit numbers faster than the previous video. It makes sense. When we only had 3,000 subs, it took forever to get to 10,000 views. Mm. But as we're at 200,000 subs, it should be that much quicker. So when something underperforms, we're like, well, what did we do wrong? Mm. How can we do this better? Was it the titling? Was it the way it was edited? The sound quality was off? Was it the way that I presented the information? What was it? And we do experiments all the time. And our audience will be quick to let us know. I don't like that. I like this. And I just say, you guys be patient. Let's see where this goes. Because I'm not ready to try once and then say that didn't work. So what's been fascinating, I'll give you an example. Before the holidays, before you know, we, we closed down for Christmas and New Year, I had asked our community on Facebook, hey guys, what do you want from us? You want longer form content like the live streams or you want more short edited pre-recorded content? And at first it was a landslide. It was like 80-20 and it slowly crept back up to like 70-30. But it was pretty obvious. The majority of the people wanted short form content. Mm -hmm. So we stopped doing live streams. We used to do them three times a week. And then our hardcore fans like, this is what made you different. This is why we tuned in. But then we looked at the numbers. The numbers mm -hmm. tell a very different story. So we were averaging about three to 400 subs a day. When we stopped doing live streams and we recorded content and then edited it and then released it, the numbers went up to six to 700, almost double subs per day. Wow. Yeah. But the loudest, most vocal people say live streams, live streams. I'm going to mm -hmm. tune out. And we do, do live streams. Do you but, think you it's know? because they feel like they get to be a part of it when it's a live Absolutely. stream? Absolutely. Okay. And it's because, well, I want to touch on this a little bit. Excuse me for one second. You talked about this. Design and life in general can be a very lonely pursuit. Mm -hmm. It's like that kid. And I was that kid who ate lunch by myself trying to figure mm -hmm. out, like, how do I infiltrate these other groups? Because it sucks being by yourself. Mm -hmm. It's It's sad. So I read this article in, I think, GQ, when there's these shows on YouTube that teach you teach girls how to put on makeup. Mm -hmm. And they start to analyze it a little bit. And they said that most people think it's about giving tips to do makeup. It's not. It's that these girls feel like they have a best friend. Mm -hmm. It's like a sleepover. And they get to spend their day with you and see what your life is going on. So they feel like they own you in, mm -hmm. in, in like when you make, decisions to go out with that guy or that girl they're very vocal about it and so mm. that you become a part of their lives and so i told the guys i read this article i want to do this experiment i want to start live streaming as often as possible and it turns out that that was the phenomenon that was being created that people would just turn it on listen while they work and they felt like hey these are three of my friends. The dream team is coming in to, to banter about random things again about design. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem, though. It would suck up an hour and a half, two hours of your time sometimes because we'd stream for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I think what was happening, and I don't have enough data yet. It's too early. But if you tune in and you had to pick three or four videos of ours to watch, you have a finite amount of time. So you can watch right. one live stream, right. which counts for one view. Or you can watch four videos that counts for four views. And you might learn more. 
because mm-hmm. now they're just parsed out in tiny little pieces. And I think that's what's happening. And we'll continue evolving the show and the format and the frequency and the topics and the and the people and even my style. My style has changed. I'm capable of doing lots of different things. So I just want to give our audience what they want. Bottom line. Right. Right. I think you're right. I th- I think um I th- so have you ever watched uh, Gordon Ramsay doing the kitchen nightmares or something? Of course. Okay, so that's what this is. You're helping me like, well, but are people actually really buying the lasagna? <laughs> right? Okay, yes. I wasn't sure where you're going with this, but you're right. Like the the, the restaurant tour who has like a thousand items and he's like, we just need 12. Right. You think but they're buying had- that? They're not buying the lasagna. And he says, but I don't want my current clients to um go away. And he's like, these people are not paying your bills. You need different people. You right. need, and so so I looked at my numbers from. So this is from part of 2015, or I guess, yeah, is when I up started uploading. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I'm I'm not great at this. Is not my uh, forte. Is looking at the numbers clearly, but I have thirteen thousand uh, plays or whatever. So I'm like, hmm. I mean, this is just on SoundCloud, so I don't know how it works with, because uh, you can't do iTunes. Uh, I'm not looking at that. At no, least. there's no stats on that. Right. So this is everything's on, and you know, I guess I need to just rethink if if this is, um, you know, Einstein said if you keep doing the same thing and expecting mm-hmm. different results, that's the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, and I haven't. I feel like I haven't tried in the way that I need to try. And so I'm 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 ready. I'm willing. I know it's going to be different. So maybe it looks different. But like some of my audiences said, "Oh, can you do Patreon?" And I'm like, mm, "I don't know. I don't really I, I honestly I just don't want to do it." And they were like, "But we want to support you." And I'm like, "Well, I have sketchbooks. Buy a sketchbook, you know?" Um or something. Yeah. And it's like um, I just, I really don't want to not give them value. And I, I think, I don't know why I, the whole Patreon thing, I don't know. Do you guys do that? Do you know what we, you We don't, but to- I want to talk about this. Okay. I okay. definitely want to talk about this because the only reason why we have a podcast is because people watch the YouTube and said, and would say to us, I'm in a commute. I need to listen to you guys, but the bandwidth is too heavy and you know, your iPhone goes to sleep or something and then you can't listen anymore. Mm-hmm. So we started doing podcasts. That's the only reason why we did that. And somebody's like, I want to donate to you guys. Well, how can I do that? So we set up a shopping cart. We just listen to our audience. We don't do Patreon because we don't need Patreon. Right. We have our own system. So it's like they just log in and they just agree to give us 5, 10, 15, 25 bucks a month. And that's just the way it works. And then some people will say, I want to pay it all up front. Can I just give you $60 for the whole year? Mm. So we set that up. So we just keep listening and giving people exactly what they want. So it's gotten to a point where now, I know we're above this number, but last official count a month ago was 517 people have agreed to give us $5 a month until they stop. That's great. That's pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. And then 170, 180-odd people agreed to give us $75 a month to be part of the pro group, which in return, right. I do four pro calls a month. And then... A beautiful network has blossomed out of that. So that's also really cool. 
So imagine like any one of these things, like I, I don't forget, like let me get my calculator here. Let's say it's 200 because we, we've been around 200 members too. So let me, 200 times $75. That's $15,000 a month. Wow. That's so good. I'm going to multiply that times 12. That's $180,000 a year if we just mm -hmm. stay at 200. So here's the thing. And I'm not crazy, right? We grew up pretty poor. <laughs> I, I want to say this because people are like, there goes Chris in his ivory tower driving his fancy cars, whatever it is. But let me just say this. It does not go past me that $180,000 or whatever I just said is a freaking lot of money. Mm -hmm. I say to my wife, I guess I don't have to do anything anymore because if I just keep the 200 people in our group happy, we can live wherever we want. I mean, we have to downscale some things, but you and I, we can ride into sunset. I just got to do four calls a month. How's that for a lifestyle? Mm-hmm. So all of this comes from really paying attention and delivering value. Now, I'll tell you a little bit of a story as to how we got to $75 a month. Jose created a Facebook group, but it was open. It was very transparent and it was free. It was a way to keep the people who bought products from him together as a community. Mm -hmm. And he would do calls sometimes. Sometimes he'd show up. Sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he would prepare and sometimes he wouldn't. And it was kind of very, you know, uh, the experience was not consistent. At a certain point, he even outsourced the coaching calls to somebody else. And they had seven people show up from time to time. And I said to him, I think this is a great idea. However, I want to make the group private. And I want to start to charge money for the group. And he goes, no, this is a terrible idea. I said, well, let me do it. Why should it be private? Because I want people to feel safe to say mm -hmm. whatever they want. I don't want clients or anybody to f being fearful of like saying something and asking for help or expressing a frustration. And then everybody else on the internet can see it. So I want to make it safe. So we made it private and secret. Next, we charge $25 a month. Why? And here's the other reason. This is really weird. Is I want them to be committed to making a change. Right. A free gym membership is a gym that nobody shows up to. Now they have gyms where you pay them. And if you hit your goals, they pay you. Mm. So it's about accountability. So that accountability mm -hmm. thing, just right there. And I found that there were a lot of people who were bouncing in and out, doing things, not doing things. And somebody had told me, Chris, I saw that there's a pro group and I want to join it, but 25 bucks, I think it's a joke. And I don't think you're mm -hmm. real. Most groups yeah. are like hundreds of dollars to join. And right. I said, you they have a good take, point. Take you seriously because they it don't. wasn't enough money. It wasn't enough money. So I raised it to 75 bucks. A bunch of people washed out. A bunch of new people came in. These people seem to be pretty focused on their business. And what is it? It's a totally free platform for us. I use Zoom to communicate to them and it works really well. So everybody that's listening to this, if you want to build a lifestyle business and build community around the things that you love and you genuinely can deliver value to other human beings, you can create a very nice lifestyle for yourself and for the people that you care about. I mean, I tell my parents these kinds of numbers and my dad still looks at me like, this is the most insane idea ever. Like, how is it that you can convince people? I don't convince people, dad. 
I didn't even pitch it. It's just like it's there. You click on it. You send me a message. I add you to the group. Right. So what I think people would say is, why should they listen to me? I haven't made it. That's what I would get from some people in my ah. my not. Uh, that's I mean, a, the say, first objection. I, myself, I love it. Right. Yeah. Well, well I, first of all, stop saying it to yourself. But but I but I'm saying that that like I've said that to other people. Um, I, I've heard other people say it to me. I've said it to myself. I right. haven't said it. I to understand. Except you right now. Right. But but I so I um. I have this thing where, you know, some people just want to be on stage. Um, some yes. people, but they really don't have anything to say. They yeah. just want, the, it's kind of like you, do you remember when the TV, you're near my age, I think. So remember when the TV like at two in the morning would just go to static? Yes. Okay. That's what it's like when these people are on stage because they don't really have a message. They don't really have right. anything. And so, um, those aren't the people that I usually bring on my show, right? Because I, I mean, I don't think I've ever, I hope, not ever really had a staticky person. But you understand what I mean. 100%. Um, there's, I want you to have something that you want to teach me or something that you want to share and that mm -hmm. has a bigger purpose that will other people will ha be able to take actionable steps. So right. Everything you're talking about is actionable steps. But it's that chasm. It's like that... Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where nobody could see the the bridge, but you had to take a step out in faith, right? Mm -hmm. That the bridge was there. I don't know if it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of those movies. Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. That sounds so, right. So it's like, it's that faith step. Um, I guess, I guess well, you just have to try. It's like the uh, Jordan Ramsey thing. You just got to try to sell lasagna because you're really good at making lasagna. Don't sell all this other stuff. Heyo, John Roth here from the future. I'm here to tell you guys about the pro membership. A lot of you have been asking about how you can engage with us and where you can go to meet like-minded individuals. Well, I'm here to tell you how. For $75 a month with the pro membership, you can join Chris Doe's collective of creative entrepreneurs, which includes everyone from designers to strategists to writers and more from all over the world. Also included is over 40 hours of exclusive videos on a variety of topics, from the business of design to project management, and access to two pro calls a month, where you can have your questions answered by Chris live. All that and more in your pro membership for just $75 a month. Not afraid of commitment? Sign up for a year and save $150. The pro membership, exclusively in the online store. Go to thefuture.com slash shop for more. I have a bunch of thoughts here. So I've been writing, jotting down little notes because we're, we're coming to the final, like why there's a problem. Mm -hmm. You have this belief and it's fair for you to think this, I suppose. And, and people are going to question you on this is why should I listen to you? Because you're also critical of people who step on that stage and like blah, blah, blah. And you haven't told me anything of value. Right. And the last thing you want is to be that person. Exactly. Okay. Well, some people, I'm not saying because I don't I don't know you that well. Some people do have that gift and they can come on stage and pour out a ton of value. Mm -hmm. And some people just make space for people to do that. Mm. And that's okay. If you look at Oprah, 
probably the richest, most successful woman like in the history or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what did she do in the very beginning of her career before she was the juggernaut that she is today? She just created space for people to share their story. She was empathetic. She was a good listener. And she she was very relatable to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The, the knowledge wasn't coming from her. It was coming from her guests. And she's made many bona fide superstars. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Phil, right? Right. Just because she gave him a platform. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have something to say. I know you have lots of things to say just by talking to you. And you're empathetic. And you can create a platform for other people to share. So here's where your gift might come in because you're a teacher. And I wrote this down. It's like when Aaron came on our show, Draplin came on our show, he talks a lot. So I was just sitting there trying to like pick up the parts because people might not be able to follow what he's saying. So at the mm-hmm. end of each segment, I'm like, here's the bullet points. Let me summarize mm-hmm. what Aaron just said. And I'm going to go boom, 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 boom. And I was able to do it like in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. Here's the information. And then Aaron will talk again. So I can process, condense, and then turn things into actionable bite-sized steps. And you could possibly do that. So you can have these wonderful people with big personalities and a, and a point of view, which is what we all want to tune in for because we don't want to listen or watch Milk Toast. It's like, meh. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing. I mean, I want the same thing. I want people who have a point of view and I said it opinionated. I, I just, I don't care if I agree with it. I just want you to have a point of view. But even still, I have the most mundane conversation with the team, with Aaron and Molly. And it helps me to crystallize a belief, a thought that I, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about. You had asked this before. Do you have a lot of quiet space? Hmm. I do when I don't. Well, I have my quiet space while talking to other people because hmm. they'll ask questions or I'll see a pattern of behavior. I was thinking, huh, I don't do that. When you speak about it, now I understand why I do what I do better. And I'm going to then push it out as a tweet, push mm. it out as a blog post, or that becomes a topic for our next discussion. I need that stimulation because otherwise Chris in a room by himself is freaking really boring. <laughs> right? I have a hard time vlogging because people are like, vlog, will you just give us more? And I've tried it. I put the camera up like, Ugh. I can't string together three sentences that are meaningful. But let me talk to people on Twitter. As soon as I'm like fired up, passionate about something, I'm ready to jam out an article right now. Mm. I need that. So I I think this idea that you have to be somebody that's accomplished, that's BS. So many people have made gigantic fortunes teaching people how to achieve their own goals. Think about it. They're everywhere. yeah. Yeah, for sure. They didn't make something and were successful first. They were successful because they helped other people achieve their goals. And you can do that. And I do want to say this thing. So I, I recently was on stage and I'm not, I'm a reluctant person to be on stage. I've had to learn that that was an inhibitor to my own growth. Mm-hmm. Jose dragged me, not literally, but just as close as you can get to dragging me onto the first few YouTube shows. It took me a while to feel like that was okay and i recently spoke at graphic of manila in the philippines i'm on stage and i feel like these are my friends the audience mm-hmm. it's like 3300 people because they had 
waved at me. They wanted to take a selfie and they said, I love your show. And I felt connected to them. And it makes the fear of stepping on stage that much easier because like, I'm just having a big party with my friends. Whereas people that spoke before me, I was the last to speak. They had incredible work, just mind-blowing, gorgeous work that requires thousands of hours of practice to get there. And they got a different response. They were celebrated for their craftsmanship, for their technical prowess. Yet I was on stage and people don't even know if I do anything. But what I do is I share information and I help people grow. And that's how I kind of balance the playing field because I'm not that guy who can make that thing anymore. Mm. And that's that was kind of like a nice like moment just to think about like, yeah. And it's funny because before I spoke, I sat in the VIP area where all the speakers are sitting. And right as I sat down, a couple of very courageous young designers, creatives came up and like, oh, can I take a selfie? Waiting for the show to begin. I'm like I'm taking pictures. So when one person does, another person does. And soon there's like a steady stream of people taking pictures with me. And I remember afterwards when we were on break, a guy comes up to me, a speaker, and he says, Chris, I got to admit, I don't know anything about you. I say, that's cool. It's fair. But I don't know that much about you either. I don't take offense to that. He says, but I started asking my friend, like, who is that guy? Like, why are people coming up to you? And I said, I think because they know my face from YouTube and I have this show. And he's like, oh, that makes sense. So here there are 11 superstars of design, of motion graphics, of visual effects, of lettering, of branding. But their work precedes them. Mm. For me, I guess it's my face and my ideas. And... I take great comfort knowing that. That's kind of cool. And that could be you, Diane. I've felt like that. Like at Creative South, there's a ton of people that I know and a lot of those people I've heard. But I always feel like there's more people that don't know who I am than that they do. And I think that's a better way of being that people would not know who I was, I guess. But that's okay. um, that's a good yeah. thing. That's more yeah, people I to think... join the tribe. I just look at it like that. <laughs> right, so if it's like exactly. 10, if only 10% of the people know you, that's cool. And I got my work cut out for me and there's 90% more I got to bring into the fold. I think I I think I think need some... You talk about a business coach, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. and I think that that... Um, is that kind of what your community does together? Like you mm-hmm. have the four talks or you have the four calls a year but then the rest of everybody's kind of like figuring stuff out together no no okay yes okay let me let me clarify we do a call every single week four calls a month oh four calls a month okay yeah not four calls a year that would be a long gap in between a long yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's really good four calls a a year dang i need to get on that business model (laughs) no no i do i do a call every single week and it's for an hour an hour and a half sometimes two hours and it's built around what they need help with and then subgroups form and they form like little study groups we have we 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 tell everybody to team up with somebody to find a peak performance partner where Mm -hmm. they do calls individually without me for 30 minutes a week you do 10 minutes of sharing your wins, your losses, what you learned. And then the other person tells you whatever they want, like advice or whatever, five minutes, and then you switch. Mm. Then So you have an accountability partner. 
Mm -hmm. And you know you better get your act together because they're going to follow up with you next week. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what my business coach did for me. It's like a lot of stuff got done the day before he came. <laughs> I swear to you, it's like, shoot, I have to see him tomorrow. I better fire off all those new business emails because he's going to ask me, did you send out any new business emails? So there's that part of it. And we do the coaching part. And that's how they grow. And what's really cool is those calls get archived, put up onto a special place where they can refer to it later. So you don't have to be there to get the information. And if you need help brushing up on a specific subject, you can find it and then you can watch it again. I think that sounds like something I need. <laughs> you need to create that is what you need, I think. Yeah, but I feel real scattered. Do you? Yeah. Like I feel, I get real excited. Here's my sister. So she, my sister, you should probably talk to her too. She's super smart and she does stuff with marketing and whatnot and I don't really know exactly what she does. She's always kind of, she was an electrical engineer and then she was like, this isn't for me. So she would make computer chips. Uh, that was what she was doing right out of college. Anyway, she worked for MTV. She's worked, anyway, again, I'm just talking about other people. But yeah, my sister yeah. says, Diane, you just like to make things. You need to, you, you can't just put something out there once and expect people to open the email you have to send lots of emails you have to do lots of things and my friend Dustin tells me the same thing I I do like to make things I like to connect I've always felt like I think what you're telling me is how to use my talent how to use what I'm good at yes um, and I think I just need to go for it I just need to try and say hey this is what this is what I want to do but I have other ideas of ways to make money and then i'm like oh maybe i should do that and my sister will be like right. focus on yeah. the one thing diane and i'm like mm. and then i get i do for a little bit and then i'll be like oh and i'm like a little bouncing you know. know bean going across and being like oh i want to do this now you know what you have shiny, disease. shiny <laughs> object syndrome <laughs> hey that's really cool squirrel and you're just like bouncing all over the place <laughs> You are like my friend Jose. He he wants to do so many things. He gets not a lot done. Yeah. So there are techniques that you can do to stay focused and you become your own boss. Like one of the things that he did is to write down what he has to get done every day. Mm -hmm. And then every time something pulls him away from that, like checking email or doing Twitter, he's like, no, no, I haven't finished my task. Mm. So he bosses himself. And it's a very good technique. Mm. Sometimes when I get flustered because I got too many things to do and I feel like that heat coming up on my back and the, the, the stress oils coming out of my pores, I'm like, oh, 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 slow down. Write down what you need to get done. Prioritize that list and just go attack it like a ninja. And that's what I do. Mm. That's the only thing that calms me down because otherwise I'm like having a panic attack or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Now, I do want to mention something that people that are good community builders, like what is the AIGA? It's a community building organization. Mm -hmm. And I met a kid, a young guy, he's only 21, just went to community college. I think he has 150,000 subscribers or followers on Instagram. And he has a site called Supply and Design. Mm -hmm. And he just reports on like cool design. And when I say report, he just shares what he likes. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Rudolph, I think he's over half a million subscribers and he has logo inspirations. 
And he's created a wonderful business model just by building community. Mm. And there are so many other people who do this. Um, Ian Paget, the logo geek mm-hmm. guy, yep. who I think w- was like dead poor, struggled in school, social anxiety. He just works at it, just keeps working at it. So this is mostly a self-taught guy who couldn't afford college, barely made out of high school, I think. And he has over 100,000 followers on Twitter. So you don't even have to be a person who makes anything. It It's coincidental that you are. You don't have to be a good teacher. It's nice that you are. Build community, give value to that community, really listen to them and make it about them, which I think is natural to who you are. I think so. I, think- I know so. I mean, you subjugate your own, your own self for to try to help other people. You prop them up. You talk about your children, your grandchildren, and you're so proud of them. You have a whole career by helping other people. Now you got to profit. But then from it doesn't. Then that doesn't feel like sleazy, like car salesman to go no, and be like. I don't think so. <laughs> I want to address this. You are now like my people because this is like this is what I do all day long. I know. I, yeah. I speak to creatives who have. Uh, some mindset issues around certain ideas that we have to break. But let's mm. talk about this a little bit. I mean, I'm going to ask this in a rhetorical way. You don't have to answer. Okay. But I know you know what you're talking about and you do something incredible for other people, sometimes for clients, sometimes for students. The problem is you can't help people that don't come to you. Mm. So in order for you to help them, they have to either buy your service, download your thing, or like or send you an email or something like that so you can help them. Mm-hmm. Whenever I enter into a situation with a client, a potential client, I should say, I look at it like, hey, I'm the best option you got right now, but I can only help you if you pay me the most amount of money and then I will help you. Otherwise, I got to go help somebody else. I'm sorry. And if you hire anybody else, that's cool. It's just you're not going to get the special stuff that I give. And that's okay too. I honestly believe that. Like you have to pay me to help you. Otherwise I can't. Right. So payment could be money, could be shares, it could be likes, it could be comments, subscriptions, real money, whatever. It could be anything. Right? So the people that have that are unfamiliar with design recharge can't be helped by you. So the only way they can be helped by you is you got to get out there and let them know, hey, I'm Diane Gibbs. This is what I do. Right. So so for you as somebody who was more introverted, I got to ask you, Do you ha- have you ever done the Myers-Briggs? I have. I am an INTJ. So I introvert, right? N is intuitive instead mm-hmm. of sensing. I looked at it today because I was like, I've got it. I didn't know either. And I was like, I got to know what this is because mm-hmm. I've. No, I, I'm an ENTJ. ENTJ, not an F. Oh. So, okay. so we're very similar, except we I'm are. a. You're an extrovert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, the N is uh, intuitive. You're thinking about the future, which you said something in one of the videos, and you were like, "Oh, I'm a Capricorn, and I think about learning, and I it, always trying to better myself." Right. Yes. That's constant right? improver. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so um, then the. The other one would have been S, sensing, which I was like, well, I think I'm sensing, but sensing means you're living in the present right now. 
um, and you're very aware, which I think maybe who knows where we are on that spectrum. Sure. The T, um, I can't remember what the other one was. Um, I took a picture of it. Let's see. One of them logic. So one, the J was judging versus perceiving or, um, something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I really didn't know what the N was and that's what I had uh, wondered. Um, Let's see. Maybe I think maybe I am an ENFJ. I can't remember. Once I can't remember. This is hilarious that you asked me and I don't care. And I know you don't know yourself. I know because I don't. But there's like, I guess the I'm I identify as an extrovert for sure. Identify as intuitive. I just kind of go with. So that's not knowing the numbers, you know? I feel yeah. like I'm just going with my gut. I feel mm -hmm. like you go with your gut too, so I don't feel like that's a terribly bad thing, but I do think I need to look at more my numbers. I think it's insanity for me to think that I can improve if I don't ever do that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the other one is, the F, and I think it's feeling versus mm -hmm. something. But anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Well, you asked me what I was, and I told you I'm an INTJ. So here's what INTJ means. One is I'm an introvert. Most people don't understand what introvert means. It means that when I'm around people, I lose energy. Extroverts get energy from being around people, and that's the classic definition. The N is I'm an intuitive as opposed to sensing. This means that I tend to be more abstract than concrete. I focus on the bigger picture than the, than the details. And it's totally true and on future possibilities. It's because I hate doing accounting, billing, mm. all that kind of stuff. I don't even care. T is for thinking as opposed to feeling. So the F is for feeling. This is where I value objective criteria above personal preference or sentiment. So I'm going to give more weight to logic into social considerations mm. this is probably the f you in my voice you know like i don't really care because <laughs> i know what i'm doing is right and lastly j is for judgment as as opposed to uh it's an auxiliary function here intjs tend to approach life in a structured way planning and organizing their world to achieve their goals it sounds exactly like me what we do for other people as designers comes very natural for me because I get to promote somebody else. I don't have to, it's not about me. So part of it has to, I think this is an underlying thing. You asked me um, earlier why I keep av avoiding talking about me. I think there's something there. I don't really know. I, I think part of it is that I, it's the negative self-talk. Well, what do you really have to give Diane? Right. But I do mm -hmm. feel like I, when I'm in my zone and I'm listening and I'm seeing, I'm kind of like what you said you do is you're kind of process, processing and condensing and then putting it into chunks that people could do. I do that when I talk to people. I'm like, here's what I hear you saying. That's what mm -hmm. I did with you last week, right? We kind mm -hmm. of analyzed what you were telling me and I kept hearing the same thing. And I feel like that, like that is one of those skills, but I've never really understood how to, maybe until today, to actually monetize that. But I don't want to be sleazy and be a car salesman and be like, well, if you want to talk to me, the first 30 minutes are free, but the next 30 are $300, you know? No, like, it's I don't, not like that. I know, I know, I know. I, I understand what you're doing. I'm continually giving value, but I feel like someone will hear me like that. And you know what? Somebody might hear me like that. And maybe that's, that's okay. That, maybe that's, that's okay. that fence that I've been writing. Exactly. Maybe yeah. it is okay. So here's the thing. 
you're coming from a genuine place and you're going to get pushback from people on the fringe right mm. and that's okay they'll keep you honest they're like always checking like oh yeah i am doing it for the right reason or nope i am mm. now just become an art prostitute or whatever it is <laughs> right right so that's fine now here's the weird thing diane i took the test again i, I took the test officially like years ago with mm -hmm. a person who does this for a living and she went through and explained everything to me. It took a long time to finish the test. But then I took a, a cheapo online version and guess what it told me? Was something else. No. Yeah, it was something else. It told me I'm a borderline ENTJ now. Mm. And that's where like people are like, dude, there's no way you're an introvert considering you jump on camera, you jump on stage, you jump on your skin. There's no way that you're like that. And I don't know if it's possible but maybe there's an ability to change who you are. I don't there know. There is. Absolutely. I okay, totally so there it is. You, can. you You absolutely can, especially the introvert extrovert. I think it's practice. I think you've had to practice. But so I'm just asking. So did you, was there the uncomfort? Obviously uncomfort in the beginning. Jose had to pretty much drag you on stage, mm -hmm. but, or on camera. And on stage, but yes. <laughs> when you were starting to tell people about what you're doing was there that uncomfort of oh my gosh that's all they're hearing from me what do you mean mm. so it, maybe this is where i'm kind of getting clarity it's not all they're hearing from you because you're giving a ton of other value but in that value you're also telling them hey come to the future or come watch this or oh i see oh when you're promoting something mm-hmm well, so well, here's the thing. Because you said I have to tell people about what I'm doing, right? Yeah, so you, do. you do. Yes. Okay. Let's 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 just kind of solve this part. When we were first starting, every video we made was a self promotional video. Hmm. Like it seemed like, oh God, here comes the sales pitch, and then for limited time, and that's how Jose did it, and it bugged me. I was like, this is super sleazy, dude. Hmm. I don't want to do this. I just want to give value, man. And he, we would argue about this kind of stuff. And he's like, you don't, you don't pay attention to the, the conversion funnel and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, whatever. But you know what? I was speaking from a very selfish place because I was making money running blind. So this thing needed to make no money. Whereas this was Jose's only thing that was going to make money. Mm. But then that comes from a place of need versus a place of generosity. Mm. So I started to produce content. I'm like, we don't sell anything. We don't pitch anything. That's the rule. All we do is give stuff away. Now that's different than what I'm saying to you, which is people got to get to know who you are. That means you got to get out there, not in like, hey, I'm Dan, just like just beating. But I'm saying like, you can volunteer to speak. You can start to cross promote your content. You can try to, I don't know, promote individual episodes by writing about like what was good about it, what you learned from talking to ex guests. Mm. There's ways to get your name out there to be more visible. Even changing your site a little bit would help. Right. So we're, we we kind of live in this place where we always think it's always about the work. It's always about the work. And, and it's a horrible, stupid thing that is taught to us in different stages of our life. When you're in college and you're learning about design, it's just about the work. You know, don't be so self-promotional. Right. And I think that's damaging. It's like who's going to discover you like there's not an agent out there waiting to find you right that's terrible and i had this thing it's like people only hire who they know and right now you're unknown i'm not right. saying you i'm just saying designers 
Right. How could I, could you imagine a situation? I mean, logically, just think about it. Like, how is somebody going to hire you? You have 12 followers. You don't put anything out. You're the hermit. So yeah, you got 10 friends in town who know about you that give you work. But other than that, that's it. Right. But there's no better time to be alive because it's so easy to get known. Right. Especially for people who are good. Especially for people who are good and charismatic. And have a point of view. Enter Draplin. Mm. Now, I'm going to say this. I mean, there are a lot of designers who can design way better logos. But nobody knows them and they know Draplin. Mm. So a lot of people think he's successful because he's good. He's successful because he's famous and he's good. Mm -hmm. And that's the formula. So I almost think like there should be a class on communication, public speaking, social community building that is like one for one to a design class. Meaning you take one design class, you learn how to talk about it. Mm. You take one class, you learn media relations and you just keep doing that. You know one thing I make my kids do? What's that? They have a they have to do a nine minute presentation mm-hmm. about what they're an expert at. Mm. And talk about freaking out. They're like, I'm not an expert at anything. Just kind of like what you're telling me. I'm yeah. like, well, can you tie your shoes? They were like, Yeah. I'm like, well, you're an expert to somebody. There are people who can't tie their shoes. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Oh, so it doesn't have to be about design. And I'm like, Nope. It can be about whatever you want it to be about. I want to say this. I want to say this. And and that's a great exercise that you're giving to your students to do. And I realize the idea and the label of expertise carries a lot of assumptions with that and a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. So it is enough to inhibit most people from doing anything because the last thing we want to do, and I know a lot of people feel this, is to be exposed as a fraud. Mm. Like, oh, you said to do the logo like this? Well, that's stupid because this is how the experts do it. And you're like, oh, fudge, I didn't know that, right? So I got a new way to do it. And because I have to coach and encourage my team to be more social online than they are today. So there's this thing. I think there are a lot of books that say this. Teach what you know. Teach what you know. That becomes really tough. It presupposes you know and you've Mm. done the work. So that will kill everybody, right? Well, teach while you learn. Mm. It's a big difference. And and that takes the onus off you to say, like, I'm an expert. So you can just quickly say, I'm learning how to tie my shoes. This is how <laughs> I know how to tie them today. And what's really cool about it is if you have a better way of doing it, please let me know. Engagement. It takes like all it. the burden off, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I used to give this assignment. I don't teach anymore, but I used to give this assignment where I would give them a master work, quote unquote, a frame of such degree of complexity and mastery that is way beyond their years. We're talking about people who have been working in the industry for 10, 20 plus years who've won gigantic awards. Mm-hmm. And then I would assign them the frames. And they would look at us like, Chris, you know, juniors and sophomores, how are we supposed to do this? I'm a student. I said, you know what the difference between a student and professional is? Your label. Mm. You think there's such thing as student work. There's just work. And it's either crap or it's good. So stop calling yourself a student. You're a professional, still in school. That's fine. So here's the deal. I need you to go make this frame. Figure it out. So they were assigned to do a master copy. Mm. And the only rule was you could not use a, a single pixel from that frame. If you did, you'd fail. 
Other than mm. that, do it any which way you can. So some of these things were amazing illustrations or involving 3D, just like models and CG effects. A lot of them didn't even know any of that stuff, but they got really creative. They went out and bought a toy model. They photographed it, they composited it in. So I said, it's easy to copy something. It's hard to make it, but let's get to the copying phase first because right now your work sucks. <laughs> let's do that. And they're like, okay, fine. I said, there's, well, I'm not done. Wait, there's more. So you only have two weeks to do this. And the second week you come back, you're going to have to teach the class how to do this. Mm. And that's when they looked at me like, oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> so we have to get over the fear of doing it. And while we're doing it, we have to document our process. And I said, bonus points for people who do a really good job of sharing their process online while they're doing it. I'm going to strip away all your fear. And I want you to hashtag or mention the person that you're copying. And they did. Some of them were blown away that those people actually responded to them. Mm. So they got to reach out to their hero. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. And the hero gets to see like, oh, there's some young kid trying to like learn my thing. Mm. And I, I kid you not. After the first week, some of it was pretty bad. But by the second week, I could not tell sometimes. And I forgot like when I was ABing it, like which one was the professional. Mm. And it totally effed up. I started critiquing the professional's work. They're like, uh, Chris, it's mine's the other one. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you get an A. Oh, that's great. So that's that's how we can get over all this stuff. It's like there's so much fear of being an imposter, of making things that are perfect, about being exposed as a fraud. So let's just strip it away. I'm a learner. Hmm. I'm a learner. I'm just going to tell you what I know today. Tomorrow will change, but today this is what I know. Come along for the ride, man. I like that. That's, That's easy, awesome. right? That's approachable. You could do that. Totally, totally approachable. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for doing this. I look forward to doing our talk together on our podcast. Me and too. all you have to do is cue me up. Whatever you want me to say, you can go anywhere with this. And I will be as honest, as raw, as vulnerable, and as authentic as I can be. And if I'm not, you just say, I want the truth, dude. Stop giving me that BS and I, I will dig deeper. Okay. Okay. My name is Diane Gibbs, and this is The Future. Future is hosted by me, Chris Doe. Our show is edited by Samuel Burns with an assist from Stuart Schuster. Big thanks to Adam Sanborn for composing our theme song. To subscribe to The Future Podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. While you're there, do us a solid and leave us a review. Your comments will help guide future programming, and hey, it'll help us with our rankings can't get enough content you're in luck we have over 500 episodes on our youtube channel just go to youtube.com slash the future is here make sure you don't miss out on upcoming events workshops live broadcasts and webinars by signing up for our newsletter go to our site thefuture.com and click on the email sign up button you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at the future is here thanks for listening see you on the next episode